Our text for this week is the Beatitudes, the opening section of the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew's Gospel. It is the first of several teachings of Jesus intended to reveal God's will for disciples and for the world. Jesus' words offer a vision of God's empire. They provide a sketch of life in an alternative community marked by justice, transformed social relationships, contemplative practice, and shared resources. It's a radically new way of life, a life very different than that known under Roman rule with its vast discrepancies of wealth and great injustice. Jesus paints the picture of an utterly different worldview based on different assumptions and goals that have implications for us today as well. So let's set the stage. Jesus, followed by large crowds, went up the mountainside. He sat down and addressed his disciples. At the time, according to Matthew's Gospel, there were only four, Peter and Andrew, James and John. But they represented all disciples, you and me as well. The mountain is also symbolic, symbolic of revelation, of new awareness and raised consciousness, it recalls Moses' experience on Mount Sinai, as well as Mount Zion, where according to the prophet Isaiah, God's empire will be established. Let me say it again because it's critical for us to understand. God's empire is different than the empire of Rome or any other time. Those of us living in the United States today are living within the American empire with all its opportunities and limitations, all its benefits and gross disparities. The empire is similar to the Roman Empire in that it prizes power, wealth, and status, this empire that is. But Jesus offers an alternative then and now. The life that God intends is something else. It cares for the poor, it includes those left out, it restores sight to the blind, it offers radical forgiveness, and extends justice and righteousness. Things that we desperately need today. This sermon is being broadcast originally on Election Tuesday, November 3rd, 2020. As you know, it has been an election season like no other. The country is divided. There have been threats of violence. The integrity of the voting process and our democracy itself are in the balance. As you listen to this, all hell may have broken loose. I don't know. I pray that's not the case. Jesus' words offer solace, though, in an alternative to the chaotic world that we live in right now. He doesn't remove us from its perils, but provides us with strength and perspective for being in it, but not of it. As you're able, I want to invite you to experience this text as if you are hearing it for the first time, like those first disciples. I want to invite you to use your imagination and receive these words afresh, knowing that they are contrary words to conventional wisdom, then and now. They are words of life given to those with ears to hear. To help us listen anew, I'm going to read from the message, a contemporary translation of the text. 
In many ways, the words preach themselves, and I'll try to get out of the way so that can happen. The Beatitudes are simple blessings, expressing that God's favor is found among the powerless and the poor, those without resources and options who yearn for God's empire and faithful intervention. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The Beatitudes are first and foremost blessings promised by God to those who are already what the Beatitudes describe, meek, mournful, merciful, and they offer encouragement and reassurance to those people. The first disciples, who had just given up their careers and families and homes, must have heard these words as affirmation of their faithful decision. God was with them. Perhaps more importantly, they were finding that they were with God, there in the company of Jesus. At Richmond Hill, we've made a choice to embrace a simple lifestyle, to live without excess, to embrace humility and service to others, and to work and pray for the permanent transformation of the metropolitan city. Even on our best days, it's hard to know if we're doing it right or well, or if it's making any difference. Yet our commitment to obedience and stability, however modest, continues. Our commitment to justice puts us in touch with those who are poor of spirit, humble of heart, and yearning for what's right to be done. Hopefully we can begin to see ourselves in those descriptions too. Can you? The pandemic makes all of us vulnerable and gives us reason to be concerned for the sick and the dying. This election season has given us plenty of reason to weep and to long for reconcilia reconciliation from all our divisions. And the continued systemic violence against black and brown bodies is an outrage that must change. Certainly, somewhere in all of that, we each have ample reason to mourn. We can each find something or someone to stand up for, and we can all find deep within ourselves a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. The Beatitudes assure us that God will not abandon us in such times or leave us hopeless. To the contrary, God's goodness turns on such things, offering an alternative. Those who mourn will be comforted. Those who are hungry will be filled. Those who are meek will inherit the earth. This is radical stuff. So if you can't see now, if you can hear it and even feel it for yourself, the blessing in Jesus' words. So I invite you to take a deep breath you might even close your eyes for a time. Let go as you're able for the moment of the election and your hopes and fears connected to all of that. And imagine Jesus himself speaking to you plainly and clearly in words that you understand. You're on top of a mountain, away from the chaos below, 
your hectic life, whatever that may be, the contentious political climate that we're in at this time. And you're with other disciples. There are just a few, but like you, they've dropped their nets to follow Jesus and are in need of some reassurance. Listen. When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a mountain. Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and he taught his climbing companions. This is what he said. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and God's rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. God's food and drink is the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful or full of care, you find yourselves cared for. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your heart and your mind put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your heart and your mind put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Wow. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. 
you can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even. For though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds. And know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. Know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. Okay. Do you hear the reassurance in those words? God is encouraging us right here and right now. The God life, the life we know in Christ, is a different life than what most of the world is open to. Once we have a taste of it, taste of it, it is our responsibility to extend it to others. So like those first disciples, we have to come down from the mountaintop. Life can't be lived up there. It's lived down here and out there, of course. But we come down with renewed confidence and the guarantee of Jesus' words that when we're at the end of our rope, there is finally room for God. That when we are content with who we are, we find we have everything we need. That when we care, we are cared for. How might that help us in these days, weeks, and months ahead, in these uncertain and contentious times? We are those who know that God's empire is different. That what God wants for the world is so much more than what currently is. We know that even when the world is hard and harsh, we are not alone. We are in good company with God's prophets and witnesses. They face similar things, and they remain faithful. That's our call, too, to remain faithful and engage, engaged, committed to God and the things of God, things like righteousness and peace, mercy and justice. Now is not the time to get lost in a sea of despair, but to remain hopeful and even optimistic God will have the final say. If the Beatitudes reveal anything, it is that the distressing consequences of life in the world today, life in the American empire, are no match for God's love. What is will be turned on its head. The blessings will come. We remain faithful to that promise.